0: Coming to you from the megacity metropolis of Toronto, this is the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast. I'm your host, Eric Anthony, and this is episode 329. Boom. This is gonna be folks. uh, Microphone check, microphone check. I'm here with Canada's very own Toronto-based, but via Halifax, Nova Scotia, is none other than the word burglar. Good Salutations. Yo. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, I feel like uh, this is a long time coming. A lot of people who know me know the things that I love. And know you they're like do you ever think about having him on your podcast you should really talk to him because i think you guys would probably be best friends <laughs> <laughs> and uh you're you're as cool as people say when i met you at uh, toronto comic-con this last march you're super dope and you gave us a little freestyle as well appreciate it how you doing sir
1: yo eric i'm doing i'm doing great man thank you that's uh yeah well i'm honored and yeah, just doing good. I'm just uh, admiring your graphic novels behind you. I'm like, oh yeah, I read that one. No, uh, Which one's that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Looks like a DC, a lot of DC would... Uh, this would is the DC safe? shelf. Okay. On that side of the room, it's all the Marvel shelf. All right. Um, I grew up first being a DC guy. I don't know about you. Did you have a, a side that you were on?
1: Yeah, I mean, I grew up first with Marvel, but of course mm-hmm. I found DC pretty quick and... Uh, You know, I got a lot of love for both and many, many others.
0: (laughs) Right. Once you start, it's very, very hard to uh, to stop the collection. Um, So from what I've listened in your music, the type of stuff you talk about. It seems that we were raised off the same algorithm. There's a lot of things that I'm like, okay, he's rapping. He's rapping about my life. And um, <laughs> let's take it back to the beginning. When did you? We could talk about it from the comic book perspective because that's one of my loves, and then the hip hop perspective, which I don't get to talk about enough on my podcast, which I'm glad I get to. It's like oh, two guys and middle aged guys talking about rap music and comic books. <laughs> the best, the best right? things, right? The best what things else is in the there? world? <laughs> so when did you when did you fall in love with hip hop? When did that begin?
1: Uh, well, hip hop was. Is- I would say probably would have been like I was probably grade two or grade three wow.
0: and
1: I I remember like kids in my neighborhood and uh like my older cousins I was lucky you know we were talking before um you know we both share a bit of Italian heritage That's and right. I my mom's side which is my italian side is huge i have so many cousins and we were like the youngest so i would spend so much time with my older cousins and i benefited from all of their knowledge of sports and comic books and toys and all this stuff and it just kind of filtered down to me and uh you know some of my cousins would uh would share music with me and i I would get exposed to rock and hip-hop and uh some of the older kids in my neighborhood and I remember, um, you know, maybe it was actually probably like, I feel like grade two or grade three, I would have first hear, heard rap. And I remember the first tape I bought, I was grade five. And that's when I actually had some of my own money saved up. And I bought a Fresh Prince tape. Uh, the Fresh DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. And I, I had uh, I heard the song. I actually I don't even know if I'd heard the song. I knew who Fresh Prince was. And there was a, a single at Sam the record man for those who don't know cassettes singles were these cassettes where it was just like one song on each side of the single and it was for this uh and it was and they were like cheap it was like 99 cents so being a kid when like you know you know cash you're grade four grade five so i bought this uh, fresh prince tape and it was i think i can beat mike tyson which actually had a sample in it i don't know how familiar you are with it it samples the punch out Music from the Nintendo game, which I recognize from from playing Nintendo.
0: Yeah, right, 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 right.
1: Um, and uh, it, looking back at like the Fresh Prince discography, it might be a bit more of an obscure jam, but there's a video for it and stuff. And uh, anyways, I love that, and I just loved any rap I could get my ears on. Like I like I, like early days, it would have been stuff like the Ninja Turtle soundtrack, the uh, the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack I had.
0: I remember that. Uh, I remember yeah. That. And
1: there's like, there's like, I think Rundy MC was on it. And, uh, and we used to get these tapes. Like the tapes I would get from the older kids were called Rap Tracks. And Rap Tracks, we would dub tapes. And I don't know if you, do you remember Rap Tracks at all? Am I ringing any bells? This is, this is early on. Yeah. Early. So they were these compilations. I want to say like quality records or KTEL or some one of these companies was was putting them out, and it was basically like a greatest hits rap tape. So instantly you got like Rakim, Fresh Prince was on there. Uh, I think one had Maestro Fresh Wes on it. Run DMC, wow. like LL Cool J, and the rap tracks. It was just like this instant mixtape. Young MC would have been on there. And I just just got exposed to all that stuff And I loved it And basically for The rest of my Life, at least as a kid It was like rap tapes or Weird Al tapes Those were the only tapes I ever (laughs) wore (laughs) on it as a kid (laughs) because yeah i guess i've always had a sense of humor and um i loved i love weird alan rap tapes that was like my whole collection and um and any rap i could find um there was a ywca by me that would have uh, like a record like record fairs and like use like Just like little flea markets, and I would go there and buy like records, like rap records. I remember getting a Fat Boys record there for twenty-five cents. Anyways, I'm all over the place.
0: No, no, I I was collecting
1: early on and uh, benefiting from older media that was affordable. uh, You know, when you're a kid, Um, I was talking with a kid recently, a kid like a teenager, um, who's buying CDs and i love cds i love vinyl um and i still make cds and, and i make vinyl and and people are like oh i can't believe cds you know who who still buys cds but what what's that what, what yo right there dope, man you got the vinyl nice and kids now if you're a, a real music fan it's so expensive to buy new vinyl so a lot of kids are buying cds now because they're cheap you can go to a ucd store And they're like giving away old CDs. So if you want to go get like whatever, like some old Nas CD, you can probably find for like five or six bucks. But you try and get NAS on vinyl right now, it's like 40 bucks. So if I'm some magic for that much. Yeah, right. So and, you know, Nas, obviously, one of the greatest of all time. Like, that, Magic's a dope album. He said, he said, we can go off on a whole other tangent of, like, Nas's output a- during the pandemic. It was amazing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think we can do a, a couple of parts to these episodes. I was thinking about it. There's going to be yeah. too much to talk about, but uh, I love it. Because you clearly, I, I was a digging in the crates kind of kid. Not so much the, the hip-hop group, just the lifestyle. It was a comic shop. It was a bookstore. Record shop. I mean... You, when did you come to Toronto? How old were you?
1: Oh, well, I would come up to Toronto, visit all the time as a kid. Like, okay. my whole family, like, both my parents were originally from Toronto, so they moved out to Halifax, and then I was born, my sister was born there. We stayed in Halley, uh, and we would come back and visit, like, all my cousins, and everybody so and they were all across toronto so i'd be from scarborough to mississauga to everywhere so
0: you had the familiarity okay
1: yeah so early on yeah and i definitely was hitting up record stores and malls and stuff like i remember this dope record shop in scarborough uh at wood i think it was woodside square and i don't remember the name of it but i got a whole lot of really good rap records there like in the 90s that like you, i just didn't see them in halifax but i got like the far side and wu-tang and Uh, Souls of Mischief and just like a whole bunch of really good 90s records, you know, and that was like, yo, and I remember Um, bringing it back to Halifax and like making mixtapes for all my friends because they were like, what's this? What's this? Like, we'd see one video on Rap City of like Souls of Mischief or something. And then but you couldn't find it. Well, Souls, I guess you could start to find everywhere. But stuff like Master Ace, you couldn't find, you know, it was was like the 90s underground stuff like you know, even Nas, when Nas first came out, finding a copy of Illmatic was pretty tough. Um,
0: I heard that. Yeah. I, I heard people say that it, it wasn't like it was. People were playing it in the cars, but it wasn't like there were f- copies you could get everywhere. Everything everybody had it on the tape that was dubbed. Yeah, but yep. you had to have it because it was that that hot that hot thing. Yeah, even like Reasonable
1: Doubt by Jay Z, you couldn't like that was nowhere in Halifax. I bought the CD in Toronto, and I remember it was like an HMV import. Me too. Which was like wait, yeah, I remember and it was like way more expensive.
0: That was and, a good uh, a good holiday season. one I'll never yo. forget because people were giving me gift cards. Yes. And uh, Square One actually, Mississauga had a yes. really good hip hop section. It was like glassed off. It was almost like how they used to have the the porno section at a rental store. They put the hip hop section glassed off. It was a big one in the corner, right? Yeah, Uh, exactly. I I remember that
1: one. Yeah, I was in there. Yeah,
0: there was there was that store. And after that, I would have said Dundas Square HMV was the best. Mm -hmm. But I I bought the volume three. The Streets is Watching movie and Reasonable Doubt all in that, that Christmas break. And it all made sense. Like, yeah. it, there's, you ever have those moments, almost like a comic book fan, where you realize, like, oh, it all kind of connects. There's The really good hip hop, I feel, has continuity. Mm-hmm. Where if you've listened to the albums throughout, you, you see, like, no, no, you don't get why Nas is awesome. Because this is from the first album, and he's referencing it now. It means more
1: man i'm getting chills because it's exactly true and there's so many parallels because you know because we're both comic heads and we're both hip-hop heads and that mm. the two intersect so much from just like exactly what you said like in obvious ways and then in the not so obvious ways but like yeah. why it's whether it. You know, like you said, digging in the crates, digging in the long boxes, digging around, like hunting for obscure things, finding those first appearances, getting those first albums, finding that continuity. It's all and all, not to mention everybody's got cool aliases.
0: Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's the so Wooten many clan yeah. is is like Squadron Supreme pretty much. Yeah. Like that that variant cover was perfect because you're like they are a superhero team there that they, yeah. you've never had a group of MCs that were all so killer Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like it wasn't fair just like the justice league it's just like it's not fair you can't have all that power on one team yeah
1: yeah i know it's crazy and
0: you think of that era too like when they dropped and and
1: new you know new york at that time and it's just bananas how everything exploded and it is kind of like when you look at like marvel in the 60s and how all these crazy comic characters exploded in that pocket of time, even though, you know, New York MCs, and it was all New York too, but you know, yeah, you could a- equate the golden, the golden age of hip hop to, uh, to the Marvel age of comics, I think, Definitely. <laughs> not to hate on DC, but like, you know, no, DC, no, it was a bit more. From I think Batman 80s, and Superman to like their like Flash, it was a bit more staggered out, right? Marvel yeah. kind of hit you in like the in a five year period, you got like everybody.
0: Yeah, it was, it was definitely something that uh, creatively, I don't think you'll ever see something like that again. That to this day, I mean, nothing is quite as influential in the multimedia market as Marvel. Who would have thought? Stan was, Lee did. Stan Lee did. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it took a long time for people to, to buy into that. But, I mean, that's – I don't know if you've seen the recent Arnold uh, documentary. But that he, he was told so much that, like, you're too big. You're too muscular. There will never be a place for you to be a leading man. And then he became, like, the top box office guy with some of the most influential movies in sci-fi, you know. And it's just people not believing when, like, the door is closing. It's like Stan Lee had that door closed on him. In the '70s, probably who knows how many times, and now he's been in like the most movies. (laughs) Yeah, it's beautiful.
1: Yeah, it it really is, you know. And uh, and
0: shout out Jack Kirby as well. I always feel bad if if we if we forget Jack, but uh, yeah, big 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 shout out to Jack. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I had a question related to hip hop for you. Oh, being both, I don't know when your era begins as far as when you fell fell in love with the Whole culture of it you said great too that's way Before me I was a high school kid So it was mean, that's
1: when I first heard rap I think like I didn't really like understand The culture until like maybe Junior high and that's like You know I just you know You're that young you just think oh I just like these beats I just kind of like this music like when I think Because I think about rap a lot (laughs)
0: Obviously (laughs) and I
1: think of like the First times like I remember hearing Rap in like commercials You know like it's stupid to say, but like something like the Fruity Pebbles commercial or like some like commercial where they'd rap in it. Like it was just always in the background and you didn't really connect the dots. But I did listen to college radio when I was in junior high. And there was just this at in Halifax, CKDU, college radio. There was a few different hip hop shows and specifically one called The Basement. Anyways, and it was like an an education in the history of hip-hop so I instantly got schooled from Sugar Hill Gang and Curtis Blow and all these like crazy icons of the 80s up right up into the present day like 90s and mid 90s and then I was just like caught full up to speed and the host who Buck 65 but back then he was just known as DJ critical he made it he made a point every week to start the show off with an old school classic and then like talk about why it was important and every concept from like stuff from Africa, Bambada and the Zulu nation up to like why, you know, the beef between like the Bronx and, uh, you know, Queensbridge and, and all, you know, that whole history in New York and then like West Coast hip hop and just really understanding everything and toasting like where the origins of rapping was coming from. And of course, like all the elements, graffiti, blah, 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 blah you get where i'm going anyway so that's when i think junior high is when i started to like the culture started to like oh now i'm uh, you're understanding this whole bigger picture and of course then you get into socioeconomics and all this stuff and why like hip-hop grew out of the you know what it was coming from in new york city in the late 70s and it's amazing i mean we could do a whole podcast series about that so (laughs) yeah (laughs) i won't ramble
0: man but yeah but that's yeah that's what I, I, I want to talk about more sometimes because I do comic books so much and I love it. Clearly like you look behind my, my shelves. I love it, but there's just something about the, um, that youthfulness when you discover something like hip hop and the amount of time spent, cause I was a kid that was riding the train, real hip hop head backpack full of CDs and source magazines. Right. Yep. I was having, I, I remember one summer, uh, Grade 9. Somewhere grade 9. I was starting to buy albums, right? Being up to speed with what was coming out every Tuesday.
1: Grade 9 is such a good year.
0: such a good year for rap, just, like,
1: for whatever reason. Everybody's like, grade 9 is that year. Like, I remember everything I had in my Walkman in grade 9. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 14 (laughs) years old was, like, such a a, a monumental year for me, for good and bad. But it's when, uh, I mean, I bought my first Nas album. Like, it was I Am. It wasn't his best. But to me, it was because it's the first one I ever heard. I Am's good, man. I actually it is there's, good. Yeah, there's some good jams on that. Sorry, keep going. No, no, no problem. But it's, it's, uh I, I discovered like the websites where you can, I would which albums got what mic and why and and it became like the Bible, the Source Magazine, and then Double XL. and I had like five, I collected them like comics. Yep. I had long boxes of them and the perfect day for me is just because you were talking about that digging through the crates. It would be going to Dundas Square, you go to BMV, <laughs> you would go to hmv and there was a music world and a sam the record man and it was just the perfect day in that one corner you know and everything was there everything was there and it was just like having biggie in the headphones while you're walking down dundas square was just and then the world's biggest bookstores you'd go in there and i would like dig through those books that had like hip-hop history and And it's true is you remember
1: tower records was there i do
0: There was one, there was one there. I remember I bought, uh, what
1: did I buy? They had a good rap section for a while. They
0: had a very good, yeah. And that was the thing, is that you would go into these stores after a while when you were kind of initiated in which albums came out when and which was this group's first. You knew what was hard to find. So if you were in a record store that had reasonable doubt import, you're like, hmm, they'll probably have other good stuff here. (laughs) They'll be well stocked because it was that attention to we should have this on the shelf kind of detail and i love that hunt yeah and it's
1: true like and there's another cool thing about comics and like that relation with hip-hop like you mm-hmm. said you see that one record you know that someone behind the scenes had to like go a little out of their way to make sure they had that and that's when you go to a comic shop and you see something oh you don't just have all the like mainstream you've got like some other thing or you've got like the key issues or you're not just stalking Spider-Man and Batman you're you're going a
0: bit deeper you know what what is it for you when you go to a comic shop that when you see that sort of thing on the shelf makes you go hmm they've got they've got taste of whether it's my taste it's like okay they've got taste for me before you answer it's when I see Valiant I'm a Valiant comics fan I don't know if you've read any of that stuff but yeah
1: yeah yeah Course. it's
0: it's such a strong line that didn't get as much attention as I always felt so when people really have it stocked well i'm like i like these guys <laughs> yeah that's one for me
1: <laughs> yeah no valiant's got a, and there's been a few different eras of valiant too yeah. right and when jeff lemire they brought jeff lemire on to do a valiant relaunch this is maybe Bloodshot. like
0: yeah, he yeah. Did bloodshot
1: with Matt Kent.
0: Him and Matt I Kent were so like good. running the whole line. Yeah, it was amazing stuff. Robert Venditti on EXO, it was yeah. great stuff. But and they, there was like a four-part series. Valiant, what was yeah. that called? Was it, it was, just called the Valiant? Yeah, it was just called the Valiant.
1: I really remember that being really good because they had uh, Eternal Warrior and like just yeah. the, the takes they did on those characters and EXO Manowar. I mean, EXO Manowar is a great. like there's there's a lot of great concepts right it's really cool you look at what jim shooter originally did with valiant and like what he foresaw and where this stuff going and i don't know it's and then to yeah no it's good man yeah valiant that's a that's a good one i well what's
0: it for you i answered it i asked you the question that's that's yeah (laughs) i guess it changes different eras like there was certainly a time
1: when i'd go into a shop and if I just saw a bunch of like variant covers and CGC books or something uh, everywhere, I'd be like, ah, uh, this just doesn't feel like I want to go and browse. I want to pick stuff up. I want to find yeah. something new. I don't want everything to be sealed away in plastic. I, I, I just, I, you know, there's slabs.
0: No charm. There's, there's no, no charm. charm.
1: No. And how and it's the deterrent for new potential readers if kids go in there and just want to like look for comics and all they see are these like graded slabs of plastic it's just like I mean that's a whole other conversation but my favorite memories are kids were, like I remember comics still on spinner racks in the yeah. gas station yeah or at the grocery store waiting in line with my that's mom right. and I'd be looking at like comics there like next to like National Enquirer or whatever the right movie, you know like, yeah co- comics and and that brings you into this whole new world and every comic even if it was like a bad comic you'd just be like what is this? this is like my mind is blowing you're just exposed to so many new ideas and creativity yeah these days if i go in somewhere like i'd be looking for i'd like to see cool back issues that aren't slabbed that i can dig mm. through i want to see new issues of things that I've never heard of. And I want staff that like can recommend me good reads. Like if I say something like if I like Jeff Lemire, like, well, I like Jeff Lemire. Is there anything new in that vein? Or like, I really enjoy, like I, I worked in com- in comics for like, man, over a dozen years. So really um, like in comics retail. Yeah. I worked at silver snail. I actually worked at silver snail for 10 years. And prior to that, I Street? worked. Yeah, Queen, Queen of Peter. I feel
0: like I remember you there.
1: I probably sold you comics, man. I would, I, I lived there, yeah.
0: I yeah, feel yeah. like I do remember. I'm like, he looks like a guy that worked at Silver Snow for a while. I don't know why. <laughs> and if it, you ever think, came
1: in, yeah, between 2002 and, I guess, when was the move to Dundas West? 2011? 2000.
0: I definitely saw you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was when I got my, when I started my apprenticeship uh, as a plumber. I was working right by, it was along the route home. So I was making my rounds to all those comic book shops for a while. And one day I'd go to One Million Comics, one day I'd come down to Silver Snail. Like I was, it was just a great city for comic book shopping.
1: It's, man, it's, and Snail was so busy because, you know, they're the oldest and biggest in the city, right? So I love
0: that shop. That shop was great.
1: Oh, there's so much character there, man. It was, it was just a dream job. And to this day, like people will be like staring at me on the streetcar or subway or, you know, even like at Comic-Con. And they're like, where do I know you from? And I'm like, I probably sold you comics. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. Like, you know, and like I'll see people and I'm like, where do I know them from? I'm like, oh, I probably sold them comics because it was, you know, we were
0: very busy and
1: thousands of of people would come in every
0: week it was crazy yeah well i remember uh that at that particular time it was a such a sweet spot for the industry because it was right at the time when infinite crisis finished yeah and civil war was happening at the same time and it was all like everything was crisscrossing so you got a lot of memorable books being published at that time and creator like the the sinestro core i think I th- yep. actually you might have told me about how good the green lanterns initial core was <laughs> at Silver Snow. i might have asked you about it we were big i don't yeah, know if you read that it was a great I did, series i though, have right? them
1: all to this day yeah the and all the different lanterns when they introduced all the colored lanterns and everything like yeah, which right. was basically based off an old alan moore story like there was an Alan Moore comic where he introduced, like, just as like a throwaway, all these different colored lanterns, and then nobody did anything with it until Jeff Johns got on Green Lantern and was like, "I'm bringing in all the different colors of lanterns," and uh, it, yeah, definitely. Like my boss was a huge Green Lantern fan. He was like the. He would tell you he's probably the number one Green Lantern fan in the universe um, in Sector (laughs) (laughs) 2814. So we were heavy on Green Lantern at that time. But I remember that era perfectly, man. And Infinite Crisis, I read every, like my job was to know. Cause specifically I was like the comic book guy, like one of like, there was like three of us who were really into comics there. And some people were more into toys, some more into the games and magic and Pokemon and all that stuff. But like, literally like my boss was like, read everything, you know, just read it all. Like I'd get half the stuff would be like, just read this and just, you know, Take it home, read it, let us know. And then everything else, I'd get, like, staff discount, which was crazy. So there was no reason for me not to be up on everything coming through. So I remember that DC Infinite Crisis was crazy because there were so many crossover issues. And then, like, the New 52 and OMAC, like the OMAC thing. Like, oh, my God. Like, I had so much information about DC Comics in my brain at that time. (laughs) And I could tell you when, like, the Earth... Superboy Superboy came back and like was planning all this or you know whatever i can like so many crazy plots
0: don't get me Did started you keep all those comics <laughs> that you bought back then
1: oh yeah man i should probably like you see behind me there's like <laughs> i don't know that's probably can you even i'm blo- my can't camera's see it blocking
0: yet. it It's okay
1: there's like right here there's like a giant pile of boxes all there but like i don't know if you can see any of that there's tons. I mean, I got stuff everywhere. Yeah. So yeah, I've got, I have a lot of gold that I have to dig up. And a lot of it I read once, put it in the bag and board, put it in a box, and I haven't looked at it since then. So I've got, I've got a pretty sweet collection. Because <laughs> I've been no, collecting since I was a kid too, right? So I've got, and weird stuff, like from that era the Goon. Do you remember the Goon? Yeah. Yeah. Eric Powell. Dark Horse. Yeah, Eric Powell. Like, I have like those first issues of the Goon before he was even a Dark Horse. And like it was on exploding albatross books. And uh somebody wow. told me recently they're worth like a thousand bucks each or something. And I'm like, yo, I need to like dig those up. Um and like Invincible, all the Kirkman stuff, Ooh. like first issues. Dude, I passed on Walking Dead. Like I had it, I've stocked it on the shelves. The very first issue. I read it on my lunch break and I was like, huh, this is just like a rip-off of 28 days later.
0: <laughs> but I mean, isn't that the way isn't that kind of like as bittersweet as that is? That's kind of the best part of it, right? It's like I, yeah. I had it and I sometimes yeah. guess right and sometimes you guess wrong. Yeah. I you know remember reading the
1: first issue on my lunch break. I'd probably tell you what I was eating, was like the noodles from across the street. <laughs> and uh And it was, and I, you know what, I kept reading it and then I picked it up after the first six issues. I was like, oh, okay, now I'm seeing where this is going. Because I loved Invincible. Invincible was so good. But when I think back now that I could have just dropped three bucks on it back then and would have had like a
0: crazy investment,
1: quite an investment and just a cool collector's item. But uh, I've got every issue walking down from seven up now. So, but I don't have. The first six
0: <laughs> so what is your most read comic series since everything's in a bag and board in those boxes mm. do you have something that you keep uh in a in a omnibus or a graphic novel that's like i read this regularly
1: yeah that's i've got all these shelves of like as you know how it is the mm. uh you buy the omnibuses for your favorite book so i've got like the full run of invincible which i've read a few times i've got it in single issues and all the hard covers i'm just looking over here full yeah. run of gi joe a lot of bk vaughn stuff a lot of alan moore like i love love alan moore bkv like runaways why the last man saga i don't love all of his stuff but those are some of my favorites like yeah the larry hama gi joe like warren ellis um at least earlier warren ellis stuff like planetary like, to this day, is, like, I think one of the greatest comics. Um So much. Rick Act Remender, like, uh Fear Agent, and Black Science. Like, Black Science, I don't know if you ever read that book. I love that book. Dude, that book is so good. And I found it, like, for whatever reason, like, it was a hard sell for people. Like, people just did not gravitate to that comic. And it was, like, man...
0: In terms I got a soft like, spot for Rick Remender because of that. Yeah, book. yeah. I, I liked Seven to Eternity, but on a second read, it didn't fit for me the same way it did the first time around. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't stick the landing that I felt it started off with. But but um, Black Science, there's just there's something about those characters and the the way that Scalera draws that world. It's like the perfect uh, production team. You know, you got your one producer and your one MC yeah and it's, just it's right. true it's right?
1: t- every issue and you know what no other because i loved fear agent i was i got really into and i loved how the main hero was just so flawed and then i felt with black science that's when he really he nailed having the lead be this like guy that you kind of hated but you kind of loved and you were rooting for him and then he like had this full character arc throughout the whole series. From being, like, a bad parent to being, like, tortured by his own father to just, like, all these, like... I was like, this is so heavy. Like, this is crazy. But it was executed so well. Anyways, yeah, it really spoke to me. And, like, I I honestly haven't... I read Low. I thought Low was good. And what was the other one I recommended? Oh, yeah, he did this cool one called The End League. But then it got, it ended after nine issues and it's, it's great, but it's kind of like his take on like an Avengers at the end Oops. of the world.
0: Um, yeah, I highly I did recommend enjoy that. his, uh, his X-Force, his Uncanny X-Force. Yeah, I didn't see, was it was, it was, a, it was a real off the wall book, but at yeah. first, but it, it works real well. And then into his, uh, Uncanny Avengers. I didn't like the ending of it, but. Cause it ended with that Axis story. I don't like when yeah. they, they end the main run saying you got to read my event. Now that uh, Scott Snyder did that with his justice league. And it just yeah. made me, I never want to read dark metal for that reason. I'm like, I read 35 <laughs> issues just for this Snyder. could, but, I, um, Yeah. I, you know, I don't want to hate,
1: I want to talk about stuff I love, but like any st- any time I've read anything by Snyder, I felt he doesn't bring it home. Like some guys just can't end a series. And I just have not found an ending to a Snyder run that I was like, oh, that was worth it. I mean, I liked, I think his Batman stuff was maybe my favorite. And then,
0: but I didn't read to the end of it. I stopped that end game. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, that's because I, I can't judge it. But when I saw the commissioner Gordon in the Batman suit, I'm just like, ah, yeah, I don't know. It's just another time. Bruce Wayne is off the yeah, presumed dead. We did this in the last run, you know, yeah. it's like, let's do something else. But the last yeah, some Batman that it. I
1: really liked was Tom King's. Actually
0: I never finished it.
1: Yeah, I know it's people aren't too into it, but I think there's parts of it that are really, really good.
0: No, there was. There was quite a bit of it that was that I enjoyed a lot. I didn't like the the I felt like it was the wedding trick where we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it. We're at issue fifty, million covers, everybody's on board. Didn't do it. It's like, Mm. okay, we didn't think you would keep it that way, but at least if you're gonna do a hundred issue run, like you're saying, let's see fifty issues of him and Catwoman trying to be married. That would have been interesting. But that I can't judge how he finishes it because I didn't get there yet. So Yeah. Did you ever read his Vision series? Oh yeah. Vision, Mr. Miracle, fantastic.
1: Yeah. Like that's that's the thing about comics, right? Same thing with back to rap. When a creator gives you a work like that. Like mm. when I first read The Vision, that was the first Tom King I'd ever read. And I loved it so much that I was like, this guy for life, I will, you know, keep an eye out for Tom King stuff because this work is so good. And, you know, Alan Moore, I got the same feeling, you know, Nas, same thing, right? you hear Ilmatic and you're like. I will always check for Nas. I will always check for Mast Ace. I will always check for Cool Keith. Like, there are artists that I will always check for.
0: Those guys, your your top tier, top five? Everyone asks, what's your
1: top five? Who are your top five?
0: It has to be those guys
1: for sure. Yeah, Nas would probably be number one. Cool Keith. Cool Keith is, like, unbelievable. The fact that he's, like, kept going for 30 years if you follow his path and he's got a whole bunch of albums that are kind of forgettable but then the ones that are good are so good and his output is phenomenal he just dropped a new album called serpent which if anyone listening is a cool keith fan check out serpent it's so it's like vintage cool keith again and black elvis 2 is about to drop um but yeah and like master ace and like all for different reasons like cool keith is so creative just in his concepts and his like his take and his these characters he would do nas of course is like this like street poet who is just like has such a vivid descriptive style and the way he can convey things on a beat and he sounds so good when he's doing it and the rhymes are always tight and he you know i think he's picked some made some bad beat choices it, yeah, but certain, he's got but, some
0: of the best beat choices, too. Oh, he does. He, he right? absolutely I does. Think, like, the Hit Boy stuff's been great. I it really, has been really good.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I, he gets, I think, a, you know, he's one of those guys. It's like Superman. Thinking back to comics, everyone says Superman's villains suck. They're not really that bad. It's just when you compare it to Batman and Spider-Man and Flash. After those guys, who's got the best rogues gallery? Yeah. I would say Superman would maybe be in the top top group of heroes with rose gallery right i'd say gi joe it. i mean cobra well, is sure they run
1: deep <laughs> but yeah no i know what you mean Super you know what heroes. i mean and i feel yeah, like
0: yeah. and i feel like with Nas, it's like he picked bad beats but like some of the best beats ever are also his yeah yeah and then there's some guys though you never hear on a bad beat you know who which would you is, say I mean, was never say. been on a bad word burglar <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, there you go. There no, you go. I mean, every rapper <laughs> would say that, right? But like, I feel like a guy like Jay Live. Now he produces a lot of his beats. Like, there are certain mm-hmm. guys that you like always hear. Like, you know what? Their beat choices are always really, really good. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. but uh, Jay Z usually picks really, really good beats. Like, uh, there's a few times where I've heard Jay Z on a beat where I'm
0: like, that beat's kind of whack. Like, he's got a good ear for stuff. He knows I, what I, he's doing. I'm a big... I'm, I'm guilty to say, like, I'm, my two favorite guys are Jay-Z and Nas, and a lot of people are like, oh, you got to pick one. They're rivals. I loved when they battled. I like when they collaborate. It never changed the fact that they were both my favorite because they're just that good. Like, if you want to hear good stuff, you go to the top, right? But um, he's had a couple... He's Jay's my, one of my... Like, he's my favorite, but uh, the, the Kingdom Come he has got two two back-to-back songs on there, one with Usher and one with Beyonce that are just like,
1: oh, Yeah, because those wishing... are like the, the quote-unquote sellout tracks. Those are, you know, yeah. he's, trying to go, he's trying to go for a different thing. I'm with you on that. I don't love them, but uh, it's it's hard, right? Who could ever say that? I What's mean, Master Ace, there's a guy. Master Ace usually picks really good
0: beats. I got to say, I, I can see why you love Master Ace because I can see it in your style now. After listening to the MacGuffin device, just the, the way that uh, you take the concept Of a moment or a concept like an idea of digging through the crates and he has those albums where it's a story throughout he takes you on that uh, long hot summer was my first master ace album. such a great album man such a great album i bought it in i bought it out of all places staten island and i popped it into my cd player going over the verrazano bridge listening to big city and it was just like i'll never forget the sound of that beat dropping
1: Because it's got the little story happening and
0: everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That album's phenomenal.
0: So, and it's, he's got such a precise style that seems very easy and obvious, but it's hard to pull off song for song to do that. Yeah. He, 100% man, I think that's a very accurate description. Because he's
1: not like super, he doesn't rap super fast, but he's like on the beat. He gives you he spends time with the lyrics. Like some guys just fly through their verses and you don't even hear what they're saying half the time. But I feel like Ace knows how to deliver. He knows what words he wants to hit. He has this inflection that brings it to his storytelling. Nas has that too, but it's like a different, it's a different vibe. Like sometimes Nas can like stay, keep the same tone, but he's telling you this story. and, And Ace will like really like, he doesn't go like crazy. He doesn't get like large, like Busta Rhymes or like ludicrous or something, but he'll keep this like straight up. And he's always coming from this confident place when you hear mm. Ace talk. And uh, yeah, like his storytelling definitely huge, huge influence on me. Um, like uh, before he was doing like, before he did like long hot summer and disposable arts, like he would have these like one or two tracks per album which would just be a storytelling concept track. He'd be like talking about the people in his neighborhood, or like, you know, his dislike of gangster rap, maybe, or like all these things. Like he was doing all this really cool storytelling early on, and he just got better and better. And um, his name doesn't get thrown around a lot, you know. Like I feel like guys like Black Thought are finally getting their flowers, and everybody know, like, yo, Black Thought's always been an incredible MC, and the roots have always been incredible, but. Like mass Days and cool Keith, like they've always been like as like a super nerdy hip hop kid, like really taking apart every aspect of it, like those two guys like their creativity is always like you know at least when in my younger years like really blew me away
0: yeah like i you can you can um there's a way that hip hop fans it's not to to rank them put them in tears, but when people are Attentive to MCing and try it themselves, there's a different appreciation of hearing what they rhymed with because now you're counting syllables mm-hmm. and you're seeing like that the flow sounds good on that because of that internal rhyme, not the final rhyme. Yeah, but the internal rhyme makes the final rhyme snap. Yeah, and exactly,
1: it's, I, it's Ace a does lot. that. And Ace, Ace does, does that. A lo- he was one of the first guys who was really doing those like
0: the multi syllable
1: things and like.
0: Like M&M. consistently Eminem yeah. is is completely like you can see an influence. If you listen to Master Ace, yeah. you listen to early Eminem, you can and even Eminem said it like yeah. I'm heavily influenced by by that. It's a good yeah. it's a good influence because it's a well-rounded but a very it's almost like how Jadakiss raps. It always it's like slices. It's like perfectly cut, mm-hmm. not more than it needs to be and not any less. It's like a perfectly structured joke. Yeah, he lets the beat breathe a bit. You mm. enjoy the beat and he just
1: is like you hear him on the beat and it's like this is per like he just knows where to sit on the beat. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, see we
0: could talk about all this stuff. <laughs> well, it's it's something that not everyone's paying attention to, especially now because like I've become the old guy who uh oh, you're a hater. And I feel like I don't know if I'm a hater as much as I don't feel that like you said before, you had those little tapes that would give you a history of where this came from and what evolves from it. Whereas now, nobody, you say to somebody, Have you listened to Ilmatic? No, why would I listen to that? It's old. It's like, it's like saying you won't listen to Marvin Gaye or you won't listen to Michael Jackson. Like, it's just, they're, they're the pillars of, of what this is built on. Mm-hmm. And now, if like the things that you write or the things I try to write, You want it to be able to work without the beat, but when it's on the beat, it brings more to life. Now it's like without the beat, you sound horrible. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if you share that experience with today's hip hop or if you even listen to it, but it's just like the effort that went into it is gone, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, I've always, there's been great hip hop every single year. And Absolutely. To this day, I mean, I'm getting checking new albums every week. Like, um, like I said, that Cool Keith album came out a few weeks ago. I mean, obviously, he's like an artist who's been around forever. But there's guys years, doing right? stuff now, right? Like mm. Open Mike Eagle. Do you listen to him
0: at all? I'm not sure who that is.
1: Yeah, Open Mike Eagle, Homeboy Sandman. Um, there's this guy named Luca. Uh, there's a lot of really, really dope rap coming out. And even in Canada, right, like the dudes I roll with more or less and Swamp Thing, like there's a lot of great rap coming out. It's just not. We're so spread out. Everything's so that's a whole conversation with Spotify, YouTube, everything Mm -hmm. and like how kids even like get their music. Yeah, that's that's the thing, right? yeah we don't have much music anymore we don't have radio you know like we do the college radio is keeping stuff alive and there's a lot of great rap shows on college radio and djs who are spinning new stuff every week um but you know it's it's a select few that are checking for it and um yeah i guarantee you go listen to like the new open mike eagle album um the one he dropped in the fall. Super dope. You'd be like, this is incredible, you know? And then, you know, there's still guys like Royce59 Five still putting out great stuff. You know, Red, like a lot of these guys are like cranking out quality.
0: His Prime album I really, really like.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was,
0: that was him. One. Like,
1: he turned a corner there.
0: I think yeah. prior to
1: that, he was just like, okay, he's a really good rapper, but what's he talking about? And then Prime and like right around that time, I think he had two or three other albums within like a two-year period that were all just like, these autobiographical songs and like talk about his struggle with alcoholism and sobriety and just like challenges and like it was just, yeah, just really, really good stuff. Like Royce is, he's an incredible rapper.
0: Mm. Yeah. That prime album I put up there with some of the best hip hop I've listened to just from, especially deluxe edition where you get into some of those bonus tracks, the collaborations are are phenomenal on it. I want to ask you because you're a master at it. And not too many people can claim to be able to do it. But Freestyling. Off the top. What's, what's a freestyle to you? Because there's always that debate, right? Oh, It's a freestyle. And, I mean, I have my opinions on it. But what's yours as a guy who really goes off the top? Yeah, well,
1: yeah, it's true. Like, there's certainly a time in my life where I was like, freestyle's got to be 100% all brand new. What you know you're just making up as you go And that's what I think it is you're making up as you go But sometimes you will pull from I've said 80 million rhymes in my life So if you know the word chicken Or whatever the word television or something Pops into my lexicon I might like flip that rhyme again right Like I used to think like freestyle's gotta be all original You can't rhyme Duo tang with Wu tang Because you did it before or whatever But no freestyle like To me It's Cause I do a lot of it live and impromptu and I do it at every show I do. And I do it with my friends to this day and I just love to do it. Um, yeah. It's just the exercise of live rhyming, keeping a flow. And I like to incorporate an audience. So if I'm talking with you and we're talking about Valiant or S- Superman or Spider-Man or whatever, and then I just start like pulling from my knowledge and just freestyle. This is a really long thing. No. Um, but to me, it's like,
0: I want to, I, I like it. <laughs>
1: You know, so, I mean, sometimes people just kick a verse, like they kick a pre-written verse. And you can always tell when it's, you know, you can usually tell when it's a pre-written verse. But, you know, sometimes... If you
0: know how to listen. If you know how to listen. yeah.
1: Um, Like in my shows, like I'll hop into some... Like when I do freestyle, like sometimes it just comes out of like I'm kicking a verse and then something will happen in the room, right? And I'm in the middle of, rhy- of rhyming on a beat. And like the other night I'm doing a show and I'm rhyming and then like some guy's like yelling at me and like waving and like getting my attention. And then I just like break out of my verse and just start rapping to him because I'm just like, yo, you're right there in the blue shirt, da 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 da, let's do work. You're interrupting me, but I don't think you're a jerk and you know, I'm just like going off because like we're having fun. And it's so maybe that's it, maybe like the purest form of freestyling is rhyming in the moment. Like really being there in the moment, being present. And uh, I love the improv and the spontaneity, and I love it when people give me things to rhyme about. Like if I'm rhyming with you and, you know, you just start shouting like, okay, rhyme about the Flash rogues gallery, right? whatever, and you just start mm-hmm. rattling off this stuff. And if, of course, it's fun being a comic nerd because then you've just got that much more to pull yeah, from and it's matter. a good excuse exactly. for me to like whatever rap about John Byrne and Jim Lee or something mm, <laughs> you know? mm. like, yeah. So that's a really what? The,
0: what do you think? No, no. I think it's a, it's a, it's a couple of things because some of the best MCs weren't the best off the top, And I don't know if I would knock them for that. And then there was guys who were really good freestylers who couldn't write a song. Like yeah. they could really only freestyle. I don't know if you've noticed that, so I was like yep. what is the
1: yeah supernatural the one of the greatest
0: freestylers ever I don't think
1: he ever really yeah. put out like I have one album that he put out and I was just really disappointed when I got it
0: <laughs> Yeah no the, know, it, I that love it happens a lot
1: He's like the greatest freestyler
0: but yeah yeah he can almost make an album freestyling better than if he were to rap and I and the, yeah. when I learned that was when we were making our our first couple of songs that were the attempt was to get them played on radio, and there was a guy that was going to be part of the crew, and um, he was the freestyler of the, he was the battle rapper guy of the, of, that they brought. In. I'm like, okay, that's cool. In different ciphers, everyone's got something different, but he couldn't rhyme on beat to his own written rhyme, yeah. and I'm just mm-hmm. like, does it matter if you can freestyle if you can't really write it to to capture that? It's almost like I, I compared it to an artist that could sketch really fast and then a guy who draws, like, perfect comic. You so know what much. I mean?
1: It's tough. I mean, and you know what? It's funny. You know, I just keep wanting to co- bring it back to comic books. But, yeah, like, if you get a guy doing sketching, right? You know, some guy can just mm-hmm. whip off sketches, you know, all day long. And, and some incredible. people are like, that's yeah. And somebody is like, I can't. It's going to take me, like, a month to draw one page of a
0: comic, you know? Like, yeah, like John Cassidy, right? How long did it take him to do Planetary? (laughs) But when it's all said and done, did it matter? (laughs) Exactly. It's beautiful, right? So it's the process and the different skill set that you have to turn on and off when you're now writing a song, like how much of what you put onto your albums are you able to be like, well, if I'm in a pinch, I'm just going to I'm good at coming up with I I know how to freestyle. Or do you make sure like, no, this has got to be correct?
1: Yeah. You know what? It all comes together because a lot of times I'll freestyle and then after it I'm like, I gotta remember this rhyme. I just freestyled. So a lot of my rhymes come out of freestyles, uh, or even just like Mm -hmm. they start there. And it's like, oh, these words, I like pulled that out of my trip hat without even thinking, and I like rhyme these words together, but I need to like make the rhyme itself tighter and make it make sense. So that's when the writing comes in. It's like, so I'll edit down freestyles and turn and Turn them into, uh, you know, add them into verses, and then probably every one of my albums has like a line or two that was literally freestyled there, like in the booth or like a. a most of my stuff is all like one take. Like I'll do like backups and stuff on on tracks, but I I, I record full verses. Uh, you know, I don't. Some people go in and just record one line, then they record another line, then they record another line. Like I will learn a full verse and I'll record it. And when I'm in the booth, you know, I try and memorize all my rhymes before I even record, because I feel you're it's
0: professional. Just, that's why.
1: Well, <clears throat> I just feel it's easier to like when you're doing when they're like in you, they're like a part of you that you can then you can Absolutely. like feel them more and like express them more and find these things, you know, like,
0: you know. That's the rule. Me and my my boy from that I record music with. It's always we don't go to the studio uh, unprepared. You're able to go in basically with no pen and pad and just rhyme it like a performance because you're going to give the best performance when it's memorized so well. And if you have to do another take, you'll be able to give that inflection because the rhyme is one with you at that point.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you got to be so comfortable with it. Um, but even when I'm doing that, sometimes I'll like edit it as I'm doing it or like the beat, like, and I'm just like feeling it in a different way, and I'll just change a rhyme mid verse and then. That's when sometimes when like the you know my is recording me and it was like, okay, just you know, let's get that one more time and you know, cause maybe you like peaked a bit, you were too loud at this point or whatever, and, and then I'll go back and do the verse like, oh you you said a different word last time. I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I was just like I'm like this last part of the verse, I'm still like, you know, massaging and like coming up with like the best rhyme. So I've just gotta be in the moment and uh and or we'll rewrite it or like I'll kick a verse and hear it back, I'm like, you know what? I don't like that rhyme. I'm just going to put, put, put me back in again. I'll just like rewrite it on the spot. So, I mean, the freestyling, I if to anybody who wants to MC, I think it's the best way to just work out, right? It's like going to the gym every day. You know, you're training for a marathon. You're going to jog around the block a, a lot. So freestyling is getting that jog in before you're actually going to run that real race. So the more
0: experience you can get, the more... I don't freestyle well, but but I have to freestyle if I'm going to write. Like, I'm always – sing, either I'm singing or I'm doing something, it's always got to rhyme. Yeah. Just so it's always sharp if you need to. Well, even if it's like – even if you're not rhyming, like I put on
1: beats and I'll just like – just to feel the beat even, just to get the rhythm. And I'll just start like – Yeah, and I'll just like start like in my head even like – setting up it's like a game show where there's like blank spaces or like mad libs you know yes yeah, exactly to fill in the that. words and like so i'm hearing the beat and i'm seeing these places where the words should be fitting in but i don't know exactly what those words are yet and sometimes i just write without a beat because i
0: just have the concept you know and then when you when you can do that is the it beat, with syncopation is it the you know how to count the bar once you know how to count the bar you can almost feel like that'll be on a beat somewhere
1: oh (laughs) there's a beat for this yeah fully and i certainly lock into a certain like i have my sweet spot of like bpms that i prefer like you know like 88 to 92 is kind of like if i get a beat between 88 to 92 bpm like that's i bet if you look through my whole discography i'd say like probably like 75 percent of the beats are within that range Um, because that's just like my sweet spot. And you know, like you listen to Andre three thousand, you're gonna hear he's (sighs) usually at the same like he he goes into a faster BPM and um like MCs just have what they like, right? That's why you hear him on a slower beat. If you put Andre on like a a beat that's like eighty BPM or eighty eight BPM, he's he's gonna sound a bit different. And um yeah. And some guys do
0: it all of it, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Tech nine will
0: do everything. Yeah, there's a couple guys, and that's that's also something that I always kind of rated was how many, you know, that's what made Biggie so revered is that, oh, he can do the bone thugs, this, and then he can do that style, and there's not too many, though, because some of the best have their sweet spots, you know, mm-hmm. like a Pusha T or a Jada Kiss They've got yeah. their little cruise control, but they do what they do real well.
1: Yeah, you get that lane, and that's what you're comfortable driving in, and people love it, and it's fun to do, and yeah. I mean, to me, it's just this has always been fun. Like, I never really thought, oh, I'm going to be like rapping, like for a huge part of my life. But I, I never thought I wouldn't be like it was just me making rap songs with my friends uh, as ki- kids, really just writing freestyles. I didn't even tell people like I did it. I just like liked to do it.
0: And mm-hmm. then,
1: yeah. And then it just I just kept going and going. My friends kept being like, you should do that. You should do that. I'll record that one. And I would record tapes and people would. My friends would like share them around and then other kids would find me who like were into rap and kids from other high schools would be like, yo, I heard you, you rap. You're the guy who raps. I'm like, I guess I'm the guy who raps. And it's just like, I just would meet people that way. Anyways, that's, um, uh, we got onto that, but no, but that, that, yeah, it's just all fun. It's always been fun. So I just love doing it. And it's, it's more fun than ever now, especially when I get to meet new people who like, You know, I'm like, oh, shit, you kind of get what I'm doing. I appreciate that.
0: (laughs) No, I told you that's that there's not many people who have that like as the nerdiness for comics detail and then the hip hop detail. I don't know. Do you like professional wrestling? Because that's the other thing that I like.
1: I do. I'm not as I love I love pro wrestling, but my knowledge
0: of it slows
1: down uh, about probably 10 years ago. Like I'm like, I'm still because you get to like. I'm, I play a, I'm a lot a, of video games. I read a lot of comics and I listen to a ton of rap. Like, yeah, i just like, and I'm a huge baseball nerd. So, like, I've got like those all going on and I'm mm-hmm. a huge G.I. Joe collector. So, I'm like, I got a lot of lanes. I feel <laughs> so you. So, wrestling is like, hell yeah. Like, I would love it. And I could probably tell you anything about wrestling from the 90s, but yeah. uh, I'm the same, same boat. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but that's what I mean. Our algorithms yeah. very similar. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, if you want, I'd love to do a part two because I think there's a lot more we can unpack in hip-hop and comic books. That would be great. But it was a pleasure talking to you, dude, and I appreciate you giving me your time uh, this late in the evening. You being a dad and being an MC and doing all the other stuff you do. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. By the way, damage control, very nice. Esoteric. I said this guy should be a part of Czarface. <laughs> <laughs> he's the member that's missing. So yeah, that was I- really cool to see. Thank you, man. Yeah, I'm the, uh, the illegitimate uh, stepchild, maybe.
1: Be, uh, but yeah, thank you so much, Eric. It's been super fun. And yeah, anytime. I barely even scratched the surface.
0: I think there's a lot we can unpack. Comics, hip hop, we didn't even get into some of our favorite series. There's so yeah. much to go for.
1: I don't know when this is dropping, but I've got a vinyl campaign on right now. So, if anybody want to support uh,
0: the third burglar
1: vinyl campaign, it ends on June 28th. So, if this comes out before then, uh, boost in the signal. There's a link at wordburglar.com. And uh, yeah, we're putting my third album from 2012 out on vinyl, featuring drawings with words, which is like a real comic book anthem that I made back then. And we actually shot the video at Fan Expo. So, uh, that's if awesome you're into comics i highly recommend checking it out
0: we'll uh we'll make sure that this is out there before that that's Don't. great thanks um,
1: man had you, to where
0: you, plug. <laughs> you had to no i'm so happy you did where, are you performing anywhere that people can come check you out if they're in toronto yes or anywhere in canada
1: yeah uh just got back from montreal had a couple great shows there going to toronto well i'm in toronto next toronto show is actually crazy show july 6th at the baby g with myself more or less <clears throat> Swamp Thing Fresh Kills DJ Unknown Sci-Fi it's going to be uh yeah it's going to be an amazing show um definitely the Baby G is a dope venue if you like indie hip hop with a lot of turntablism beats there will be freestyling there will be some great rhyming and some great beats um yeah come out Baby G and then Halifax I'm playing August 4th at Propeller Arcade which is a brewery with an arcade so there's a lot there's a lot of fun there. Um,
0: Sounds good. Yeah. Now, are you going to be at Fan Expo?
1: And I will be at Fan Expo at the end of August. I think it's end of August. I forget what the dates are this year, but yes. Yeah.
0: Sweet. Hopefully we get you on. We can do we could do another podcast. Yeah, that.
1: yeah, yeah. If we do the before that, that'd be dope cuz we always do a big Fan Expo show as well. So I yeah. think there'll be something that weekend.
0: Awesome, thank you, dude. Yeah. I remember you re- freestyling in front of Blue Jay games when I would go around 2006 and 7. I remember the word burglar being out there.
1: Oh, crazy man! Yeah, 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 dude. So
0: it's really cool to see a full circle, man. That's Thank great. you, man. Thank you, man. All right, dude. Thank you everybody for listening. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, uh, whatever pl- podcast platform you're listening on, and don't forget to check out the word burglar on Instagram and all the different social medias. Thank you, dude. I really appreciate it. My all pleasure, right, everybody. Man. Talk to I'll you later.